Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. I've, I've always said, saying yes to Jesus ongoingly, he said, um, if you follow me, there'll be, there will be trials of many kinds and you'll face some stuff along the way, but it'll be so worth it. And I've um, often had to look at life and look at the realities of what we're saying yes to. And uh, there's been a couple of people, we often, we often look at each other and we just say, um, if James and Vanessa keep doing this, you don't know them, but if they keep doing it, we can do it. And then we often say, if Gabe and Fee are still at it, hey Gabe, we're still at it, yes. Okay, cool, we can do it. Like, we're not alone. Like, we're going to keep doing this. We're going to keep saying yes to And um, I feel like this morning, I just want to pitch up in your new hall, which is really cool. And the acoustics are amazing, by the way. Uh, just a little added extra here. And um, I want to pitch up here and just say, it is so worth it to keep saying yes to Jesus, no matter how inconvenient it is. And um, I stand here, but I actually got a, quite a big family. I'm the oldest of six kids. And um, it's like a wild troop of um, crazies. And I just thought it's really cool. I just thought about it now. My dad is, um, he's serving as campus pastor or like the meeting pastor at a church in Tableview this morning. And uh, my brother is on sound across the road here. And uh, my sister is leading the kids ministry at a church just across the road. And my sister and her husband led the youth on Friday night in Pretoria. And, um, and all, and it's just like, and my other sister, they've just started their, I think their second meeting in their new building in Zambia, where they planted a church in a community where they, they based. And, um, and my gran is the one-legged, one-armed, um, Irish dancer that was, yeah, part of this community. But it's like, I just realized that there's a something of, I, I get to say yes with my brothers and sisters. Um, but my parents and my mom is serving at her church in George this morning. And I just thought, I get to say yes with a family of people that are just going, you know what, I know the world might think we're crazy, but for the rest of our lives, we're going to say yes to God. And uh, I just thought, you know what, we actually need each other. This is a family that if we can say yes together, it puts courage in our hearts that it's so worth it. But it's so worth it, not because I look sideways and see each other, it's so worth it because we keep all seeing Jesus and reminding each other about how good he is and how faithful he's been over decades. And we go like... This is so worth it because one day we'll see him face to face and it'll all make sense and everything of life on earth and this little short glimpse into an earthly existence will suddenly have an eternal perspective. And we go like, let me add it. Let me add it. And so I know you guys have come through a series that's very specific through sexuality. And uh, I know I've looked at a couple of the series that you've done or noticed a couple of the series you've done through the year. And it's almost like we go from the big picture of what it is that God's busy with and like this global perspective of what he's doing, and we just come down to the specifics in our lives, which is part of why we get together, why Paul says don't neglect the gathering of the saints, because we come and we just like, we scratch on little areas of our lives and we say, like, let's focus on this. God wants to make a difference in this area of your life. And church should be that. And um, I feel like you've just come out of this series, something very specific. But I almost want to take, like, I'm not one of your elders, so I'm just going to take a step back. And take a look at your lives, and I want to ask three questions. We're going to look at two scriptures, and I want to look at the purpose, the big picture purpose of what it is and why we're doing what we're doing, why we sit in this hall. And I want to say up front that I think it's the third week here. Am I preaching before VP's preached here? <laughs> Too good. I might let him know. Who's preached here? Just you. 
That's awesome. I'm let VP know. Like I'm preaching before him. Yes, he's gonna love that. I might phone him the day he preaches here. But um, it's like God's giving you something new. But it's not. It's not for you. It's for a new purpose. It's for a new mission that He's giving. It's like the inconvenience of losing that space to come here is because God wants to do something brand new. He needs more space for it. He needs a new environment. And um, I, I want to say specifically, I think God was, God's going to do something very specific th- with worship in this place. I think he's given you a, a space to worship. And I think that's going to bring people in. I think broken people are going to step into the space not knowing what you're doing by us, all looking in the same direction, holding your hands up. But in that moment, God is going to surprise them. He's going to ambush them. And he's going to open them up for the word. And I want, to, I want to ask you as a community, would you come into this place ready to just worship God unabandonedly? Like just, just recklessly worship him. Come out of your week. Come out of your reality. Come out of your need for finances right now. Whatever it is. And you come here and you worship him. Like you know he is the God that can step into your life and change everything. Because you know there are people stepping in here who need him to change everything. And be that kind of community that exists for those around you. And so, I just want to say up front, um, this is not going to be something of a therapeutic kind of preach to make you feel better, but I feel like I want to call you into more. Just as, I'm just stepping in here, I was at your first meeting ever in the old place, and um, I feel like from that, pla- from that time till now, God's added the right people, and now the right people, I think, need to make the right moves so that you can step into the new season for this, for this community. So um, I'm going to get straight at it. I, I, Genesis 1 from verse 28, it says, um, God blessed them and he said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea, the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of this earth, every. I love that word every. It just keeps, and every tree that has fruit and seed in it, and they will be yours for food. To all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything, everything that has breath in life, I give it to you. I give every green plant for food. And it was so good. And it's like, this is the first mandate given to man. And he gives him space. And he says, you see everything you have, you see everything, it's all from me. And I'm saying to you, Adam and Eve, Go and subdue it. Do what you can. Use the raw materials of this earth. Do what you can with it. But live in a spacious place where you can make big moves and you can do something great. And um, ever since that day, the enemy has been at work trying to subdue people. So where we're supposed to subdue this earth, it's like the enemy stepped in and he tried to subdue people. And he's trying to restrict us. And like with Adam and Eve, he pushes us into a corner, into a restricted corner. We put our backs to a safe place and we try and live our lives. We defend ourselves and we try and make a, make a living. We try and make a name for ourselves. We try and make some, put some effort in. But actually I don't know that the world knows how to live in the spaciousness that God's given us. But I'm more scared that the, us as Christians don't know how to live in the spaciousness that God's given us. And the only way we've known, and I know in the 90s versions, 80s, 90s versions of Christianity, the only way we knew fit to to recapture that space was to fight for it. So it's like, we're going to go do spiritual warfare on every corner of the city, and we're going to pray over the buildings, and we are going to, um, we are going to go into the streets, and we're going to tell people that they need to know God, but we're going to reclaim the land that God promised us. And we've got into 2018, 
And sometimes I look at the church and I see aspects where the church is pushed more into a corner, but I see some aspects of church where they're reclaiming land. And I think this church is doing something of that. But those who have been pushed into corners, those who are fighting even harder than ever before, becoming more extremist, more right-wing. But the people that are taking massive steps for God are those that are understanding who they are in Him. They're actually stopped, looked back up, asked God the right questions, and as He's spoken to them through the relationship that He has with them, they start to take one step and one more step. And then... more people in that community start to take another step. And all, everyone starts to take a step. And then everyone starts to take more steps. And we see God start to reclaim something of what Christians should be doing and who we should be. We as the children of God are the custodians of this planet, of its wealth, of its people, its future. We should live with confidence that exceeds anything else that anybody in this world could ever dream of. We should live with the confidence that it's like, I don't mean an arrogance, I mean a confidence it's like, I've arrived. Here I am. We have lots of people that come to our church and um, introduce themselves as, I had someone that came to me last week Sunday. And they said, hi Jeff, my name is, and they um, said, I just want to let you know that I've arrived. Those are their words. And um, I'm available for you to use me. So I said, I don't understand. And he said, no, no, no. So I've heard your preaching and it's, uh, it's all right. The preaching in this church is all right. Um, I'm a preacher. I'll just let you know I've arrived. So when you want to upgrade, these were his words. <laughs> when you want to upgrade your preaching, you're welcome to release me. So I said, you've just arrived. He's like, no, 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 it's my second Sunday. So I said, oh, no, that's very different. That's very different. We'll, uh, I'll call you, don't call me. We'll, we'll, get it, we'll get to it. That's not what I'm talking about. But I do mean to a world that's lost and desperate for hope, we should arrive and say, here I am. Yeah. I'm going to show you. I'm going to point you to, to a place, the only place you'll find hope. And um, we should have a confidence inside of us that God has placed us here for this season. He's put you in this community to be fed, to be nourished, to be restored for your identity, to be put inside of you. And I want to say this, that whenever God does something, it's not as impressive as you thought it would be, but it's far more effective than you ever thought it could be if you allow the processes of God to work in you. You see, Israel had this thing. God had a purpose for them. He was taking them somewhere greater than the captivity they came out of. But when he took them there through the desert, they were like, <laughs> is this it? Eventually they asked him, like, did you bring us in this place, to this place to die? Part of the answer was yes. Something inside of them had to die. But he said, like, no, I'm taking you somewhere. And so partly today I want to say, like, yes, he's brought you to this place partly to die. Something inside of you needs to die. But absolutely not. He's got purposes and plans for you that far exceed anything that you think could be the, the greater options of the life, your life you now live. He's got something. And so what I actually want to preach, I actually, I preach from that verse. I'm not preaching from that verse, but on Easter, a few years ago, I preached from that verse. And on Easter Sunday, and someone walked up to me afterwards and said, like, is that it? Was that your preach? He's like, you should have told us today that Jesus loves us and wants to hold arms and you should have made us these words were you, you should have made us cry as we took the emblems and I said you know what I think you're waiting for Jesus to do a lot more in your life that he's asked you to do already and you just you don't want to step out into the space that he's created for you so you're asking him to come and take you and carry you like I carry at this stage we had a baby and I was holding him I was holding Travis and I said like this and carry you into the spacious place but actually he wants to raise you up as a child and then an adult and ask you to 
into that spacious place and to take hold of it. But you want to be a baby. We want to be held. And he was like, and we, he never came back to our church again. Um, Rory came back from a trip and said, where's that guy? So I said, I don't think he'll be back. <laughs> Wasn't my intention. But somehow we need to grow up. There comes a time where we need to grow up into what Christ called us to. And uh, what I want to preach from today is Mark 10. You'll find it in Matthew 19 as well. And um, it's a story of a young man who had much wealth. And it came to a point where he wanted to understand what it is that God has for him and how he steps into it and how he lives in the fullness of what the life that he should be living. Because he realized, there came a point where he was like, this is not it. There must be more. And I believe there must be some of us sitting here tonight or this morning saying, there must be more. Surely there's more than this. Some of us are in the, like the latter years of our lives and we're going, surely I haven't lived it all. Surely there's more. Some of us are young and ambitious and going, I, I'm hitting this thing and I want to serve God, but surely there's more. And I want to say to you, there is. This young man asked Jesus, surely there's more. And Jesus said, yeah, there is. But I want you to do one or two things and you'll step directly into the everything that I have for you. And so I want to start reading it. It's in Mark 10 from verse 17. It says, As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him, fell on his knees before him, and he said, Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. And you shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher. Teacher, he declared, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go and sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. But at this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. See, Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples, how hard is it for a rich to enter into the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed at these words. But Jesus said again, children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who can then be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man it is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up. We have left everything to follow you. Jesus said, truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and for the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, home, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children or fields, everything, along with persecution and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. This is not a story about wealth and how with wealth it's, it's kind of like you, you've got a handicap if you're wealthy. <laughs> it's not that at all. This is a story of a man who recognized Jesus for who he was, asked him a question, but at Jesus' response to how he would take him into the mall, he's just like, I can't, I can't. And walked away sad. And my, like my heart for you today is that no one would walk away sad. But actually, the very thing that Jesus, he had to tackle wealth in this guy. This is his, this is his idol. And he said, I need to take the idol out of, you, out of the way here yeah, so that I can have all of you, that I can have your heart. I could, I need to purchase you today. 
And all it takes is for you to give something away. And I'll take, I'll do the rest. I'll do all the work. You just give this thing away. And today, he's about to step into the room and say, he's identified different things and different people yet today. But he's like, just give me that, and then I'll do all the work. My heart is no one walks away from yet. So ch- challenged in a way that you say like, oh, I'm sad. Because Jesus wants the very thing that I will find value in. But actually what you see is you see a good father who is persistent, who persistently pursues us to a point that, I, 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 and it's something in your life that he keeps scratching on. He says, I just want that. If we take, if we, it's like we, we just take that out the way and it's like, into everything that he's called us to. It's just like we just, we go with him. And I feel like, don't have the wrong response. This, this story is in the Bible to say like, don't respond badly. It's easy. It's simple. Let's give it to him. And so, he does want everything. He's not, um, he's not a needy God who's like, okay, I need more and more. And that thing from your life, I want to, I want to rip that out and I want to take that away. I'm going to strip you down and humble you. No, he just wants to take everything. It's like I do with my kids. Kylie is manic at the moment. Firstly, she um, she loves brushing her teeth. Um, she loves it, which is great, but she does it with a toilet brush. <laughs> so I pull it away from her, and she's like, ah! It's like Travis is a boy. And I don't know, like, guys, it's like, he loves knives, like which is normal. But when you're five years old and you're a little bit crazy, because like remember we're jumping with him on worship day, so something like went a little bit funny. So it's like, and then you you at that phase where you love and hate your sister at the same time. It's like a knife is not the greatest thing to be playing with. It's just like, Tana! so it's like, like let me take that away from you. And then sometimes it gets forceful, hiding tears, like it gets messy. But like I take knives away from my kids, toilet brushes. Like I take things away from my kids because it's destructive. And today, God wants to step in, and he wants to take some things away, because it's destructive. The problem is, we cherish those things. We don't realize how destructive it is in our hands. There's some things that he wants to take away from you that are not bad things, but in your hands, it's unhelpful. And he wants to hold the authority. And he wants to hold those things. For, for you, yes. But for those around you as well, we don't know how to handle those areas of their lives. So he can use you. And he starts to raise you up and there's an example in their eyes of what it looks like to handle finances. Some of you are sitting in the financial position you're in right now because, yes, he might have taken something away because he wants to reintroduce what kingdom finances look like in the hands of Christians. And as he starts to bless you and as you start to learn how to handle it and as something grows inside of you because money is not a bad thing, people around you look and they're like, okay, there's another way. There's another way. And so he's going to take toilet brushes away and he's going to take knives away. Unfortunately, they're things that we cherish. But you see, what happens here is his religious duty doesn't impress Jesus much. He's like, yeah, but I've done that stuff. Jesus goes, yeah, yeah, but I'm not too impressed with that because actually I'm about to do all that stuff. And I will be the perfect sacrifice. And I will fulfill the law. And I will fulfill everything that that you think you should be doing. I'm about to do that. That's my job. And then the Father looks down at you and says, if you fulfilled every great law, your only job is just is to submit to me, empty yourself, give from me, and then I'm going to give you tasks. It's not the law. It's not to fulfill something. It's not even to impress him. It's just obedience. And in obedience, 
we start to see, you see, when we respond in obedience to a task God gives us, it, it's fruitful immediately. There's fruitfulness. It's like signs, like those, those buds, those spring buds come up immediately. You might not be able to eat of the fruit yet, but those buds come. And that, that tree is like root. And it's like we start to live in the, 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 the incredible spaciousness of what it looks like when God blesses something. And so this story is this, is this guy who God want, has a desire for that. And so I want to ask three questions. I want to say, firstly, why? I'm that irritating guy. It's like someone preaches. I'm like, yeah, and? It's like, if it's just theory, I'm like frustrated. I'm like, yeah, that's great, but so what? So I want to answer those three questions today. Like, so what? Why? Why does he want, to, why does he want the rich young ruler to give up things, to empty, to give away, to submit, to forgive, to... And so um, Ravi Zacharias has this quote. He says, um, Jesus didn't, to answer why, Jesus didn't come into this world to make bad people good. He came into this world to make dead people alive. You see, he, he doesn't need your duty. This young ruler thought, like, but I've done it all. And he's like, yeah, great, that's nothing. That, that's, you're still at the starting point of the journey that I've got for you. So the fact that you're here today, like, doesn't impress him. This is what you need, not what he needs. And so you're sitting here, and he's going, like, your religious duty, like, I know for most of you it's not religious duty. It's actually out of obedience and just the, the, the desire to, for community and what God's doing and not to miss out on, like, the move of God in the city. But actually, this guy says, like, I've done it. She just goes, yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. But he's been obedient to me. And so Jesus didn't come out to make us good people. He came to take dead people and make them alive. I don't know that maybe sitting in this room there are some people that are still dead to him. You, maybe there's some aspects of religious duty inside of you, but you aren't alive in Christ. You don't hear his voice. You haven't been added to the mission of God. You, it's like, you don't know him as a father. You know him as someone who's called you towards something, but you don't know the God who's walked towards you. And it's like, I want to ask you, like, don't leave this place. Like the people gathered here, if you don't know them, that's fine. What I can tell you about them, they're just a group of people that have said, we know this good, good father. He saved us. He's given us purpose in this life. And uh, we want to be part of what he's doing. Because that's the purpose of the world. And when everything gets wrapped up, we want to be part of what's been going on all along. And so it's like, know him. He's not making bad people good. He's making people who are dead, alive. And if they feel like there's any form of death here, don't leave this morning. It's like, even if you know God, but you feel like there's death in your heart, death in somewhere in your life, like, don't leave. And so he's, and he's relentless. He won't let go of you. And that's the, that's the point of the story. You see, the point of the story is that the worst thing God can do for you is to leave you. It's kind of like to leave that knife in your hand. It's to leave you to your own desires. Those, those, those desires will destroy you. Those desires will pull you away from the purposes of God in your life, and he will not leave it. And don't you think he knew that this guy would walk away, wouldn't submit? But he still put it out there because he said, you know what, I cannot leave you with this. And there's some things in your life that today God cannot leave it, leave you with it. Maybe it's an addiction, maybe it's a habit, maybe it's a unforgiveness. Whatever it is, he cannot leave you with it, and he'll keep pursuing you. And today's as good as any other day to say, yes, God, let me... Let me toilet brush here we go take this toilet brush i don't know what i, I don't know what i was thinking have you ever felt like that the moment in your life you look back and you go what was i thinking i've had a few moments in my life where i look back and i go how do i undo that i wish there was a, like just an undo button 
I think today is one of those days where it's like we can actually, today you don't realize it, but after a decision today, you look back and you go, what was I thinking? There's so much more. And um, because I know no one here wants to live a small life. Seriously? Is anyone here that wants to live a small life, a retreated life? That Garden of Eden, you're like, ah, this corner right here looks like the safest place. Um, and I just shrink my life down. <sighs> Safe, manageable, finances can take care of it. And we'll live here and we will put our school, kids in that school and then we will die and uh, we made it. That's no way to live. Like retreat. None of my friends want to live like that. But most of my friends having kids right now in the phase of life we're in, have just retreated back. And I watch them retreat. And I'm just like, whoa, 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 where are you going? And they're like, yeah, yeah, with finances, bro. And like schooling. And like, yes, life's so busy. And it's like they're just retreating and retreating and retreating. And sometimes I feel like it's just me and Jane. And then I'm like, okay, you're being arrogant now because it's not just you. But uh, there's some characters in the Bible also go like, is it just me left here? It's like sometimes I feel like that. I'm like, guys, but let's serve him. And it's like, yo, it's inconvenient and our kids get sick. And you know, every time I preach, and that's kind of what I do for a living, um, every time I preach, that week, my kids get sick. I, I don't know of one week that it hasn't happened. It's like, screw you, enemy. <laughs> but I'm going to carry on. And it's like, it's an intimidation. There was one time about a year ago, I said to a friend of mine, Adrian, I said, you know what, I, I feel like going, okay, I'll stop preaching. I'll, I'll serve God, but I just won't preach. If enemy, you'll leave my kids alone. Honestly, it was a week like that. I was like, I was just, I was like it, it's not worth it. It changes, those of you who have kids know what it's like. Your kids are sick. It changes everything. Your whole life changed that week. And it's like, it's not worth it. And I look at scripture again and I'm like, <laughs> it's so worth it. Because I'm going to teach them not to give in to the enemy's intimidation. I need to show them an example of what it is to live with a faith that God's opened up a whole realm of possibility for them. I need to show them that actually we live in the Garden of Eden right now. There's a reclaiming of the God, the gospel does in my life that says, come on, Jeff, don't live a small life. Don't retreat because of your insecurities and your past. And it's like, just come step in by faith and take hold of everything God's got for you. And so it's like, I don't want to. And I've always said this, it's a line we've always used in 3CR, you cannot retreat into your inheritance. Honestly, like, I feel like some of you yeah, need to hear that today, you cannot retreat into your inheritance. We're going to step into, your, into our inheritance. And so my second question is, how? Well, Jesus' answer to the rich young ruler is, no man is good, only God is good. So his answer to him is, you can't. So how do we do it? He's like, no, you can't. What you can do is you can give some stuff away, which unhooks you, a hook, a hook off of the uh, unforgiveness, a hook off of your finances, a hook of everything. Free yourself up so that I can do something with you. I can take you. My city bus comes past you. What's this, the West Coast Road? What's that main road there? It's like, comes past there every couple of minutes throughout the week. And it's like... I drove past there today, and I thought, that's actually what God's doing here. He's like, the bus is coming past one more time today. And he's relented, so he'll keep, keep coming past. But actually, if you can unhook yourself, you can climb on to everything that he's got for you. Just step into it. But those hooks will keep you there. That hook kept this rich young ruler there. No one knows what happened afterwards. But all we know is he didn't go into everything God had for him. And so you can't step into it. What you can do is you can unhook yourself, and you can obey him.
And so remove the hindrances. I think one of the hindrances, the how, to answer the question how, one of the hindrances, busyness. I don't know what it's like down here. I know up by me. But I think humans are humans. And I think we like excuses. I think sometimes we're just too busy for what God's busy with. It's, um, you see, I think we fill our lives so much. God says, give me your life. See, the words of scripture are stronger than any preacher can bring. So you don't think like we're manipulating you or calling you into something or asking you for so much. Jesus says, come and die so that you may truly live. He says, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of it. It's like, like Jesus is hardcore. But you know why? Because he's relentless. He wants everything of you. And he says, no, 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 come and die so that you may truly live. And busyness sometimes is such an excuse for us. But it's your own fault. Don't come and blame. I don't know, like, who is busyness? Like, what, is, what happens? You fill your life. I think we love to say, like, your life's just so busy right now. Well, take charge of your life. <laughs> Honestly, take charge of your life. You know what happens is when we're just drifting through life, which is the opposite of purpose, then actually everyone else adds, just dumps things on us and expectations and sin weighs us down. And we're just like, we're just hooked in. And so where we're supposed to give our lives, instead of giving our lives, we're filling our lives. And it's like, stop filling your lives, pause, and ask yourself the question, like, what are the priorities in my life? And then let's go to Scripture. Don't neglect the gathering of the saints. Oh, no, but don't use that one. That's the one the church uses to manipulate us to be on a Sunday. <laughs> no, that's the one that Paul was using to dr- try and break you out of the cycles that are unhelpful for your life, that keep you away from the healthy cycles of your life, that, that feed you, inspire you, and take you somewhere. So he tries to take you out of the cycle, 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 that takes you nowhere, just makes you busy. And he's like, no, break out of that. What does Scripture say about it? Scripture says that actually you should live for others instead of yourself. So it's like, what am I doing that takes care of myself? I said to someone the other day, he says, like, I have, he says, Jeff, I have no time for other people. So I said, well, how much time do you have for Jim? He's like, oh, don't go there. Don't, 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 don't go there. So I said, I can't, but I'm not. I'm, Jesus is going there. Like, because he says, so I said to him, okay, cool. So I can't go there, so we can't talk about that. So I said, okay, so let's not go there. Um, but how many hours do you spend in the gym? <laughs> so he's like, leave those 10 hours a week alone. So I said, no, that's great, and you look great. But um, what about you give half of your time towards yourself and half towards others? Because Jesus says you should give all your time to others. But like, let's just like go half-half for now. Like, although I don't think it's the best way, like, but let's start because Jesus is gentle and he takes us on a journey. And he's just like, dude, I hate you. You know what he came and said to me this week? I got a message from him. His name's Nick. And he's like, bro, I feel like there's a whole new world that I've stepped into. He's like, I just opened one door and there's a whole new world I never knew was there. So I phoned him. I said, I don't understand what you're talking about. He says, I've discovered that actually when I pour my life into other people, it's the most satisfying thing for me. So I was like, yeah, I could have told you that, but hey. But busyness, it is such a killer. I think we just need to press reset on our lives. (laughs) We fill our lives. Uh, Am I allowed to go into this one? Lifestyle. It's like, how? I think sometimes we need to reevaluate our lifestyle and ask ourselves the question, 
what is setting our lifestyle? Is it the lifestyle of the people around us that sets our lifestyle? Is it Instagram that sets our lifestyle? It's sneaky. It's a sneaky one. But you see, our lifestyle steals our, our resources. It steals our time. But most importantly, it steals our affirmation. Because what we do is we start to serve a picture of what we want to become and what we want to do and what we want our life to look like instead of serving the moment and the people in that moment. And I think we've become really bad in 2018 in being moment people. Just living in the moment, in the space that we're in each day, every hour, just looking around us. And myself and Jane are like this because we, we're like, we want to go somewhere. We want to take our life somewhere. And so we often, like, we, we forget to stop and look at the people. And I've reminded, I've said to Jane, I will not serve a picture. I want to serve the moment and the people in that moment. And God can, He can draw a picture with my life. And if it looks different to what I imagined it to be, so be it. But I will not leave sad like the rich young ruler. Unforgiveness, I don't have to explain to you what unforgiveness does, but it does tie you down. And I would imagine Jesus saying the same thing. If the rich young ruler's issue was unforgiveness, he would say, all I need you to do is to forgive that person. And either he'd leave sad or he'd leave free on the journey that God's called him to. Sexuality, you guys are done a series on sexuality now. I don't have to speak into that. But it's just like just loosen ourselves. How? We loosen ourselves from some of these things. You know, you can go through a whole series like what's just happened and by your own effort try and do it. And Jesus says, no, 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 like by man it's not possible, but by, man, by God all things are possible. And maybe today, the whole sexuality series, you haven't come free from that addiction, from that temptation, from that, that cycle in your mind of thought. But actually today God says like, just let go of it by my strength. Just let go and then watch my grace overwhelm you, come into your life and take you. But I want to ask the question lastly, just for what? So why? Because he's got a far bigger plan for your life. But for what? I reckon for, for peace. So we can live with peace. I want to ask, like, just, we don't have to be shy, this is a community. Like, who lives with some form of anxiety? Just an anxiety, just, even right now, you just want to trust God. Like, if you've got faith in your heart, just let go of something, like anxiety. Let's pray for that. Lord, I want to ask, just keep your hand up. Lord, I want to ask, even as just we raise our hands, raise both your hands, put your phone down, put down, whatever down, raise both your hands. Lord, as we lift our hands, in a sense, just letting go. And sometimes anxiety is like, I just can't get everything done. I just can't do it. I, I don't know how I'm going to, Lord, I pray, like, even this moment, we just we relinquish authority. Like what the rich young ruler should have done, we let go. We say, God, would you step in? Would you show us your ways? Would you show us your goodness? Would you overwhelm us with your peace? In your name, Lord. I think God wants to bring peace. I think he wants to bring joy again to some of you. Mark, I don't know why, but it's like I stayed with you the first meeting of this church, and yeah, you are, and I know you don't come here, I think it's only your second time here, but um, I feel like the Lord says, taste and see that I'm good, and I think he wants to take you into a place of joy that you've never known before. Um, I think it's something you always like longed for, 
which you never thought was part of who you are. And um, just during worship, I just thought, I think God, He wants you to just let go. Let go of the unanswered questions. Let go of the past. Let, just let go and see what He wants to do. And there's a joy that's going to come upon you. I used to get up to such nonsense with his brother. <laughs> it's like I just thought, like, me and his brother growing up, we used to, we did everything you shouldn't do as teenagers. And yet, like, here I am with another youth standing in a room worshiping God. And I thought, like, actually, that's the transition. It's like use and another use. And I think, but I think the, the contrast is as big that God wants to do in your life. And um, he wants to put, give, put a joy inside of you that's contagious to the people around you. I think he's doing something new, bro. I think even just the fact that you, it's a new congregation you're in this morning, God wants to do something that um, will be a picture of how he works and what he wants to do. You see, Jesus even found it hard to do. For what? Well, Jesus found it hard. There was a moment that Jesus said, I'm a father. He said, he said everything is possible for you. He's repeating the same words. Everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not my will be done but yours. Even Jesus found it hard to like relinquish himself, give himself to what God has wanted him to do. But you see, the thing is, he did it on our behalf. So that actually the grace of God can come. When he asks something of us, the grace of God comes upon us. Because when the father looks at us, he sees a pure son or daughter. He says, pour out my grace on that one who's about to let go of something. Pour out that on that rich young ruler, that rich young girl. That's someone who's rich. You know, I, I, the real reason I think he's rich is because the, the, the potential inside of that person was something that was about to change. I believe God wants to put a dream in our hearts that will allow us to let go of something. See, when he spoke to this guy, there was something of a... These, two, these three chapters in Scripture... We're talking about what is greatness in the kingdom of God. Greatness in the kingdom of God is someone who's detached from everything. I'm busy preparing a series for our Friday night meetings called, like, aliens, extraterrestrial beings. Like, we're aliens and strangers in this world. We're not of this world. We're not tied to the things of this world. We're of another kingdom. We're called to something far greater. We're called to live above it, in it, but above it. It's this messy thing, but it's like you are not supposed to be submitted to the same things in this world that your friends are and those around you. We are a little bit peculiar. We are a little bit different. But we live with hope. We live with peace. We live with a purpose. You know, it is easy for me. When, I, when the first time God asked me to do something for him, I I'd matriculated, which was a miracle because I came from, I wasn't the cleverest guy, but I also came out of a home where I kind of had to bring myself up for the last couple of years of schooling and um, that stage, my dad was in prison. I was, um, I had no hope. I'd messed up most of my life. But I felt like there was a little bit, there was something in my heart to say, I want to do more. Like this can't, like I started with, this, this can't be it. There must be more. And I felt like God said, leave this town. I grew up in Mossel Bay, small town. I felt like God said, leave this town. That's all I heard. I started looking around, applied to go study at places. No one accepted me. I didn't have a matric exemption. Then one day, this college um, messaged me or phoned me and said, you've been accepted to come study film in Pretoria. I was like, where's Pretoria? Ended up there, got there. It is just like God awoke, like he woke something up inside of me. And I felt like God just asked me, would you do this? Would you do that? I was like, yes, yes. 
And then he was like, would you plant, uh, we planted a church in our double garage, grew to like a hundred people squashed in there. Some people are looking through the window, honestly. And, um, but it was a, it was craziness. We're just praying for people and people are getting saved. It was a mess. And someone invited me to 3CR and I was like, I'm done with like formal church. This is where we really like getting our hands dirty and doing something. Went to 3CR and I was like, nah, this is the real deal. Um, moved there. I felt like God asked me to do something. Then guys asked me to come on to staff. Then we planted a meeting. Then we started a, 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 um, a Friday night church and something for the students and thousands of students had come through it. A whole bunch of guys are sitting here that have been part of that. And like God just did things. But it was easy, man. I had nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. It was like I was this kid. I had no money. I didn't have a family that was going to look after me. They were trying to, they were trying to look after themselves. It's like, yeah, I was in a... Like, there were a few days I just looked around and I was like, well, I've got nothing to lose. I might as well try this. And now, 18 years later, I've got a family, I've got an income, I've got a house, I've got a life. And I feel like God's saying to me, there's some things, I need you to let go of some good things to take hold of something else again. I felt like God challenged me the other day. Like, what if my next thing I ask you to do is half the salary of what you're earning right now? Would you do it? Not because with man, these things aren't possible. But by the grace of God, something rose up inside of me. I was like, absolutely. That sounds exciting. That sounds flippant exciting. And I was keen. And I feel like some of you today, God wants to challenge. Would you let go of something to take hold of the more? I don't know what it is for you. But maybe it's just something of your past. Let go of that. Simple. Maybe throughout the sexuality series, you're speaking sex on Sunday, sex on Sunday, sex on Sunday. And you think like, yeah, it's done. But actually... That grip on your sexuality has not been let go yet. And actually the last two weeks have been hard for you. Because you're like, been through all of this and it's still, there's still a grip the enemy has on it. But actually today, God says, like to the rich young ruler, would you just let go? Let go of that. So I can take you. Unforgiveness. I really felt that there was something of unforgiveness in this room. Just praying for you for today. I felt like God asked, like, would you just let them go? They are holding you back. It's not you. It's like, it's like your unforgiveness of them is the thing holding you back. I feel like God says, like, just let go. Let go. Charot, I've really, I saw you just now, and I thought, I know this is like the fashion capital of South Africa, and like for what you do, you should be here. But I was like, nah, God didn't bring you here for that. He brought you here to settle your identity. And to like, bring you into your sonship. And he's like about to upgrade that and take you into more of it. And the world is yet to see what God can do with a group of people fully submitted to his purposes. The world is yet to see what a few people sitting in a hall are like when they're fully submitted and freed from the things that are holding them back.